0: I was kind of convicted by the fact that this week, uh, a lot of th- times when I'm believing for something, when I think the world is generally believing for something, we tend to believe for things that are in front of us. I need this, I want this, I'm hurting, so I'm uh, believing for healing or freedom from pain or whatever it is, like I'm broke, so I'm <laughs> believing for a financial breakthrough. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but I always found myself saying, I'm believing for this, because I need, I want, I see, I feel. And very rarely did I take the time to say I'm believing for X, Y, or Z because God is believing for X, Y, or Z. God is speaking this. God has promised this in this season for this world, for this nation, not just for myself. Very rarely are those I believe for X, Y, and Z thinks about anybody else but myself. And I feel like I'm probably not the only one in the room. So church, as we're singing these songs about God making a way about believing for breakthroughs, let's be asking God, let's be asking the Holy Spirit, even in the midst of it, to show us what He is believing for, for ourselves, for the cities that we're planted in, for the world that we're a part of, for the generation that He had us be born into. What is He believing for? And how can we pray and act to bring that to pass? How can we partner with His Spirit? to bring what he believes for into fruition. So let's pray as we begin to worship. God, we thank you for giving us, for being a God of vision, for being a God that can see beyond anything that we could see, anything that we would get bogged down with as humans, God, as very nearsighted, narrow-minded people, God. God, I pray that you would continue to open our eyes to things beyond what we would see and understand ourselves, God that you would speak to us, God, about what you are believing for, for this world, what you are bringing to fruition, God. God, I pray for a humbling of our hearts, God, that the soil of our hearts would be soft, God, that as you continue to teach us these things, that you continue to show us what it is that you are moving and working towards, that our hearts would be softened so that we might partner with you, God, so that we might desire the things that you desire, God, that our hearts would break for the things that break yours, God. And God, that no matter what may come, that we would remain hand in hand interlocked with you, God, every single step of the way. Help us not to waver, God. Lead us not to temptation, God, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, thine is the power, and thine is the glory forever and ever. Amen. Church, let's keep that in mind as we sing this together today.
1: This mountain can't They say these chains will never break. But they don't know you like we do. There is power in your name. we heard that there is no way. what you can do. whole piece in the darkness, my God, that is who you are, who you've always been. Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are, who you've always been. Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper light in the darkness my God that is who you are even when I can't see you even when I can't see it you're working even when I don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when I don't see it you're working Even when I don't feel it you're working, you never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop, you never stop, you never stop, you never stop stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never want that time, Waymaker, Waymaker, miracle worker. Promise keep, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Way make, miracle worker, promise keep, light in the darkness, my God, that
2: is who you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, church. Waymaker, miracle worker. My God is a miracle worker. My God is a light in the darkness today. Our God is powerful. Our God is high. Our God is exalted. Our God is majestic. Our God is almighty. Our God is sovereign. That means there's nothing, not one word, not one sickness, not one disease, not one circumstance, not one situation, not one feeling that has more power than our God. Father, we've already said, you've said it, we believe it. So we're saying let it be done in Jesus name. You've said it. You've said it. You've said that you're a miracle worker. You've said that that sickness must flee in the name of Jesus. You said depression has no power over the sovereignty of our God. You said addiction shall shatter and break. Truth will set people free. You are the God above it all. Above the storm. Above the circumstance, above the situation so we give you glory. Let the praise of our lips be the confession of our heart today, Lord God. We believe you're the way maker. We believe you're going to move mountains out of the way. We believe that you will open light in a dark place in our life. And we know that we would not be here except for you. Jesus, if you didn't make the way, there is no way. Because we know all these things are not possible because of our goodness. Because we're just not. It's not based on our holiness. But it's based on how good and holy you are. So Jesus, come and have your way. Holy Spirit, come and fill this place top to bottom. Fill every vessel that's in this room with the living water of the living King. And Father, we come in agreement today. We say, let your kingdom come. Come on, church. Let your will be done. Daddy on earth, in our lives, in this church, in our nation, our world, as it is in heaven. Because we need you. Not better politics. Not better perceptions. We need you. We need you, we need you, your power, your will, your peace. Come as only you can. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And together in faith we say, so be it, amen and amen. Come on, can we give God just one shout of glory? Because if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be here. Hallelujah. We are forgiven, set free, bought by the blood of the Lamb. What a great God we serve. Oh, good morning, Connect Church. How are you doing today? It's so good to see you today. Welcome to church. We're so glad that you are here. Danielle and I are so grateful that you came this morning, that you took time and made a decision to come to worship God together. We know there's a thousand places you could be today, especially when it's 937 degrees outside, but you made the choice to come and be a part of what God is doing. There's something beautiful about that moment because as we gather together, He is here with us. That song, I hope those songs, I hope those moments of worship stirred something in you today, stirred something in you today. He said it, we believe it, let it be done. How good is it to know that it's not based on our goodness, how good we were this week, how good we were in our conversations driving in this morning. That is not about our goodness at all. It really is about how good our God is. And good doesn't even begin to describe him. Because our God is not simply good, our God is great. Amen? Man, I am so glad you're here today. Can we just, uh, I, I just want to take a, a moment and say uh, welcome all of our first or second time guests. If you're a first or second time guest, thank you for coming being a part of what God's doing here at Connect. Truly, we want to welcome you. We hope that you pray. We hope that you, you uh, find this a, a home, make this your home. That, because after all, we say it all the time, but church for us isn't about just a Sunday morning event. It's about how do we learn to live life together as people of faith. And that's what church is all about. And we recognize this morning that people can't be here, and that's why we have online campus as well. Can we just give a moment, a shout-out to everybody who's online this morning? We love you guys. Thanks for checking in, being with us as well. We know, listen, we know that there are people on vacation. Great, good on you. We hope you're enjoying the beach, the, the, warm, the warm weather, the, the breeze Come, I ain't jealous, the breeze coming off the ocean. It's fantastic. Uh, we're praying for you for the five shark attack. No, 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 we're praying for you. Look, we need know that there's still people even in our, in our community that are suffering with COVID and suffering still with sickness. And so whether you're in your living room, your bedroom, your hospital room, we are with you. And more importantly, it's not just that we're with you. The same God that's in this room is in your room as well. The God of miracles that's here is the God of miracles that's there. And so we're, we're, we're believing with you for something to change in your life today. Well, church, look. We do love you. We are really thankful that you're here. As you're being seated, why don't you just take a moment or two, uh, give somebody next to you a high five, uh, a fist pump, whatever they feel comfortable with, an air high five. Just take a moment to say hi to somebody in the house. Patrick, our guitarist, wearing his TKC hat, which is our... Mobile Food Truck Ministry, it's fantastic. We were back out last week, and, and uh, we, we're, we're back out, I think, this Saturday as well, uh, at Restelli's in Marlton, just giving away free food, um, as we do all the time. And uh, what, I know last week we said it, but it was so amazing. Uh, at our last run, uh, we saw 14 people come to know Jesus Christ, just by giving away free food. And that's really what it's... Uh, nah, that deserves a better hand than that. Um, because at the end of the day... That's why we do it. We don't just give away food because it's good food. We give away food. Food is the means. Jesus is the end of it all. And so we're, we, we, we believe it's important to make love tangible in the world around us. And one of the ways that we do that is uh, through, through raising up generations. Here at Connect, we don't want to just be multi-ethnic and multicultural. We want to make sure that we are multi-generational in our approach. Because God, can we agree God's a generational God? Thank God that He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm I'm grateful that he was just not the God of the Apostles. Because if he was just the God of the Apostles, we're out of luck. Or if he was just the God of the Apostles in the early church, I'm thankful that my God is a God of generations. And so we want to raise up generations. A part of that is through uh, children's ministry, through youth, uh, through uh, middle school, through youth. And 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 I'm just going to bring Kevin and Lisa up, uh, Pastor Kevin and Lisa up, really quick. Can you guys give them a hand? They do a phenomenal job, kind of overseeing, (laughs) pastoring, not just kiddos but the families of kiddos. And and I just wanted, yeah, (laughs) hell. Uh, What they do is incredible and amazing. And just because you, a lot of times as a church, you don't actually see them because they are doing what they do behind the scenes. And so much of what they do is unseen. And that's, look, even though it's unseen by us, it's never unseen by God. Um, And and what you're doing is sowing seeds. And it's so important. And Lisa, I know you grew up. uh, Lisa is from Ireland. Uh, (laughs) Uh, That's right. She is... um, I, no, we got it. Let me turn it off. I got to have a mic for. Uh, cheering oh, it is on. Uh, there we go. Oh, yeah, cheering for Ireland. Okay, yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. You're
3: a bit of a lighter cheer for Little us. fish and chips the and Iris stuff. Is the fantastic.
4: House. The crowd did not go
2: wild. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> crowd. But, Lise, you grew up in the church. You're, yes. you're, you're a pastor's kid. You grew up uh-huh. in the church. Um, and in this generation, uh, why is it so important? do you think in this generation, you've worked with kids in the house and out of the house for years, Mm -hmm. Uh, Kevin uh, leads mission trips uh, all over our country with young people, Um, why do you think it's so important that we raise up generations uh, in the world today, to love Jesus?
3: Oh, that is, I mean, that's just like a huge question, and to me, I could just stand here all day and answer that question, because... That to me is like everything. Raising up this generation. And like we have said it in this house so many times, it is not the next generation. Yes, correct. It is today's generation. Because God loves all of us. Yes. And. There's three things that come to my mind in that. And if anyone knows me, you know, I always have like three points. Like, <laughs> not, I, I only, right I only work yeah. in the like any conversation you have. in the will like, number one, number two, number three. But number one really is that God called us <laughs> to make disciples. And yeah. he never said in his words, go to the adults. Yeah, go yes. to the 18 yeah, yeah. plus and yeah, make yeah, disciples. Yeah. He yep. said, make Disciples. And so I came to know Jesus when I was like three and a half. There is no limit. God wants to reach them all. The second thing I would say is that. He wants to use them in his kingdom today. All That's through right. scripture, yeah. we see God called David. Yes. He wanted to use David. He yep. used Samuel. He used a yep. little boy. We all may know that story with the five loaves and two fish. That's right. He used kids Yes. all through scripture, Correct. and he's wanting to do it, and he's doing it today. So we have to be there to yep. be able to reach them. And the third thing I would say, number three, <laughs> is simply that God loves kids and youth. Yeah. And I know there's probably some of us in here that are like, I wish I had known Jesus when I was younger.
2: True. I wish
3: I didn't go through my high school years without having that Savior and Lord for me. I wish I didn't go through that family breakup and all those things and not having somebody there with me. I always like to tell the story of I'd be in the bathroom praying during school and they need Jesus just as much as we do as adults. It's yeah, true. So, to be able to reach them so that they have that best friend, that they have that Savior to be yep. with them. So, it's it's so critical. Good,
2: so good. That's uh, so good. That's Those are three really those good answers. Those are my answers, three points. Way. Three really good points. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you can't do it alone. And, and we're not really called to do it alone, are we? Uh, it's, you know, we raise up, the Bible says, Proverbs 22 6 when you train up a child in the way that they should go, when they get older, they won't depart from it. And, and Kev, how, because it's not just on you guys, it's not just on your team, it's right. on us as a church as well. So how, how can we, how do, how do you see the partnership going between church and uh, parents and church and that working to raise up the children?
4: Yeah. Uh, when we were worshiping, we even said, like, even when I don't feel it, you're working. So, like, that idea, like, when I'm at home, how yeah. am I showing that I'm a follower of Christ. How am I exemplifying that within my home? So am I good. praying when I don't feel like praying? Am yep. I in my word when I don't feel like praying? Am I yep. tithing when I don't see it working? Yep. How you exemplify it to your child, that's what they're looking for. They're not looking yes. for the teaching, right? Like yep. I grew up uh, in, in a home that followed a lot of religious practices mm. and none of that stuck. Wow. But seeing my grandmother pray every morning, Yes. Is what i remembered that she took that time with the lord as sacred and serious and how couldn't i yeah because i saw her put away like the novelas the news the yes. soap propers all that stuff <laughs> she wasn't following it it was like this is time that i'm spending with the lord i'm like she's sacrificing the soaps <laughs> i don't know about you guys like spanish soap propers are like movies they're like you don't, you just don't pass over that but she's like no this is my time with the lord and so seeing that that's what the, that's what our children are looking for that's what the next they're yep. looking for authenticity right. yes. are you really following after the lord or is it happening when you come through the door on sunday because that's great coming through yep. on right. a sunday is great but man monday god is just as important wednesday god yes is just come as on as important. Kim. yep yep friday god yep, is just yep, as important yep. and when they see that then yep. they start to like you know what i need god every day mm-hmm. amen also that thing is not perfection yes you know, I am not perfect. Shocker. <laughs> I know I let a lot I of, argue a lot with that. That's, down, that's just probably But I'm not, not perfect. But what I do own is I own the space that I occupy in my daughter's life. Mm-hmm. So when I mess up, I make sure I take that to her to say, "Hey, I'm sorry right. for really messing up," right. and then she sees what caring and compassion is. Yes. She sees what a gentle father is. Yes. She doesn't see an authoritative father. Yes. And I say that to parents, man, like. Be honest, be authentic with your walk with the Lord in front of your children and also like bring it into the house. Like it takes a village.
2: Right. Yes, correct. Right. Yep.
4: And it's not just the village the people that just have kids in the village. Right. Yes, correct. Like uh, we live in a small town that has a lot of coffee shops. If it just was for parents going into those coffee shops, they'd all close. Yeah. We got no time. But everybody use, makes makes use of the town. Right. So if we all own that, hey, I'm a part of this village and I don't need to right. be perfect. But I'm here to care for the generations that are in this village. So right. good. And I have something to give them. And whether that's not serving, whether it's serving, great, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Whether it's tithing, fantastic. But man, whether it's but prayer.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm.
4: And not holding back a gift, not holding back a word of encouragement in this house. That's what you have to bring. That's the village. That's the right. caring capacity that we have for one another. My wife has given me the... No, no. <laughs> I will slow it down. <laughs> I, slow it no,
3: down. I was going to say I love that because, like, we know in this church how God has called us to be disciples. Yes, he hasn't correct. called us to come to church so we can receive a good word and then just go home. He's called all of us to True. be disciples and to make disciples, That's even right. though that can seem intimidating. But in a simple way, so it's the responsibility yep. of us as the church. To make those disciples that even though we may have, like our team are amazing. Our yes. kids and yep. youth team it's are true. amazing. Are awesome. yep. And they have long weeks. They have yep. long weeks like all of us where yep. they come on a Sunday and they're probably ready to just yes. sit. Yes. And yet they come in and they're refreshed to minister and to raise up those disciples. So it is our responsibility. It is.
2: I know. I know. When I grew up, it was flannel board Jesus down in a, in a moldy basement, right? Yeah, yeah. For Sunday school, and I'm thankful for the Sunday school yeah. teachers. But I'm even more thankful you guys don't do flannel board Jesus. You know, yeah. you're you're really trying to bring them into a connection, a real right. connection uh, with with Jesus. And we used to do an illustration at youth, and I, Kevin and I were talking about this this week. So, um, you know, um, when 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 someone is down. Uh, down and on the ground you know and someone's up it, it is it is it is much easier for me to pull him down. than for him to pull me up mm-hmm. but if Lisa comes over
3: not sure if it'll work with me but
2: <laughs> it's so much easier for them to pull me up together yep. together 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 and that's how we have to see that's how we have to see life like when you when you're just trying to put on your own and just trying to get by, man, it's so easy because you're gonna be connected to so many people that are low and down. Your emotions are down, your feelings are down, circumstance can be down. It is so much easier alone to be dragged down, but when you get two or more, the Bible says, "Where two touch anything, there's power." When there's two work together, the Bible says there's greater return for their work. These are truths. So that's why it's essential for us as a church not just to think, "Hey, Kevin least, great job! Excited for you. Hope you hope, hope you had a good hope you had a good day." And kids today, hope youth is going well. Hope those kids stay off drugs. Hope ho, hope, hope, hope they're not sleeping around. Good luck, good luck raising them up. But we see, oh man, I can stand and offer a hand. I don't have to, I don't have to lift it all myself, but I can be a hand that lifts. I can be a hand that lifts. So, guys, I just want to thank you. Can we pray over... Can you guys just reach out your hands if you feel comfortable towards them? I'm just going to pray over them and pray over every ministry, every life that they're touching right now, every parent's life, every grandparent's life, every single mom or single dad, every... Child, every teenager, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for Kevin and Lisa. We thank you for their team. We lift them up unto you. We shout unto you, Lord God, a voice of triumph over their life, over the ministry. Lord God, we bless, we pray a blessing over every seed that they sow into the child that is the youngest in that nursery, to the child that is oldest in youth, to every parent, every grandparent, every aunt or uncle who brings their child to partner with their discipleship. We pray a blessing over them. We pray a breakthrough. We pray prophetic voices to be unlocked in those children, Lord God. We pray for them to rise up and live lives that give glory unto you, that they may be uh, world changers in their generation, that they may carry the love and the compassion of the King all the days of their life. Protect them from the scars of sin. Raise them up to be a generation that hungers after you. That hungers after you. So every seed that is sown, we, we, are, we are proclaiming that it finds good soil in Jesus' name. And together we say amen and amen. 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 Guys, we love amen. you. Thank you so much for what you do. You guys are awesome. Oh, Thank you, Pastor Kyle. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Um, um. I'm not helping. Is that better? Oh, hey this kind of church. I like it. It's fantastic. Just so you know, that is my wife. Uh, Not a strange woman. (laughs) That goes viral. Pastor gets butt slapped by woman. It's great. Hey, thanks for letting us talk about that. it's, It's important we know why we do what we do. It's important that we hear the clarion call of God. Not just for our personal circumstance, but actually how we can be a part of a body. Come on, if we were all fingers, how could we walk? If we were all toes, how could we eat? We're not. The Bible says we are a body of different parts, but forming and working together, we can do all things in Jesus. Well, are you guys ready for the word this morning? I'm ready. Come on, why don't you open, since you have your Bible, why don't you open with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. John is the fourth book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's written by the Apostle John, uh, who's a disciple of Jesus. And he actually writes that he is the disciple who Jesus loves. I love that. I love that, that he writes that, right? It's like, Jesus didn't say it. He just wrote it. He's like, I'm just, I'm the disciple. How different would our life be if we were people just like, you know what? Jesus just loves me. And I I just, I'm just, this is who I am. Jesus just loves me. That's what, that's what I want to talk just a little bit today about. How do we have a, a lifestyle, a life of worship with God that comes from intimacy with him? It's not, it's not just what we do. It's Who we do it with. So if you need a title for today's message, it's, uh, you know, throw another praise on the Barbie. I know that's horrible, isn't it? But come on, this is the the season of life, the season of the year when we love to throw some things on the grill, don't we? We love to throw some hamburgers on the grill or some steaks on the grill, right? We get them over the fire. They get a a good flavor. They get a little smoky taste. Uh, It's just the taste becomes kind of out of this world. We love it, right? Does anyone remember when Outback was a thing? Like when Outback, I know some of you are like too young, you got to Google Outback. Outback was a thing, like when it first started, you had to wait hours to get in. Like you'd be out there eating appetizers, right? You know, the, the, the blooming onion, you're eating all those things because you were waiting. You couldn't wait to get in, get some Alice Springs chicken, get some shrimp on the barbie. Oh, I know, that's bad. All oh, my Australian friends are rolling their eyes. They're like, that's like half Crocodile Dundee, half Tony Soprano. That's just brutal. But I love it. Uh, the truth is, however, guys, that our life has been designed to be that kind of life, to be a sweet aroma to God, a life that's set over the fire of sacrifice. Sacrifice isn't a word we love to use in, in our modern world and especially in our American world. We, don't, we, we talk about the sacrifices of others and giving praises for the sacrifice of others and what that sacrifice has done for us, and that is rightfully so. But the Bible talks about us as men and women of faith living a life of sacrifice. And and when it comes down to that, it's really just simply about choosing his word and his will and his ways over our own. And in so doing, we create this life that produces a wonderful aroma, a flavor, a sweet smell of worship to our king. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says, look... This is not a suggestion. It's actually a command. He says, offer yourselves as living sacrifices to God. Holy and pleasing to him. Holy pleasing, offer our lives up to God in such a way that is holy, that holiness becomes the standard, that, that the way that we think and the way that we speak and the way that we interact and the way that we live in the church and out of the church and in our marketplace and with our spouses and with our kids, like Kevin and Lisa just said, is actually formed out of the sense of holiness in a way that we're thinking intentionally about, how do I please God? How do I create this amazing aroma, because Paul says that kind of life is proper worship. Worship. That is really putting praise on the Barbie when we put our life on the line. Now, I know what's so incredible. We live in this incredible time, I think, of worship music that is un- unbelievable, don't we? Where, where, where we live in where there's incredible worship music being written and worship concerts and worship conferences, and I think those things are absolutely beautiful. But it can actually send the wrong message to us. It can reinforce the belief that worship is simply what we do when we get together and sing. When we get together to to just worship in in, in the way that we did earlier already today. But in the midst of it, we forget that worship isn't simply about music. It's never about our preferences, and it's not about the feelings that we get or the atmosphere that we're in. It's always about Jesus. It's always about how Jesus, what God is receiving from the life that we're living. How do I bless him? How do I please my king? In Christianity, over the years, we've spent countless hours, countless amounts of energy trying to figure out What is the right way to worship? What's the right way to worship? And we miss the crux of worship. It's not about how to worship. It's about why do we worship. Why do we worship? What's it all about? In this text that we're going to look at today, in this incredible text, we're going to see Jesus meets a Samaritan woman at the well, right? It's, it's a story maybe some of you are, are familiar with. That encounter in and of itself is already unusual because uh, a, a rabbi should never be alone with a woman, especially a woman that, the, that the, the, the word talks about has the kind of reputation that she has, and he's there. He actually intentionally goes to meet her, and, and he, he tells her everything about her life. He says, look, you've been married and divorced five times, and... And this guy that you're shacking up with now, he's not really your husband. But in this amazing act of compassion, he actually sheds grace into her life. He sets her free from shame and pain, and he introduces her to himself. But I think what's interesting is her response to that. Her response is this How then should I worship? What's right? What's wrong? Which people are right, which people are wrong? Is it the Democrats or the Republicans? Is it the Tea Party, the Patriot Party, the Green Party? Is it it the Charismatics or the Baptists? Is it the Methodists or the Presbyterians? Who is doing it right, Jesus? Because that's what I want to know. And what's so amazing is his response to her. Jesus' response to her shows her that she's missing the point. That worship is not about where it happens, it's about to whom it happens for. He actually says, the time has come when my worshipers will worship the Father. I know we love to jump to the rest, but that's the heartbeat of what worship is. The time has come for worshipers to worship the Father. Uh, not at an altar, not through the Ark of the Covenant, not on a mountain of the, uh, with a, that the temple sat on, but we're here to come to worship the God of the temple, the God who made the Ark, the God who actually was within the altar. That's the God that we are wed to worship. That's the focus that worship should have. And today, maybe this can help us shift our sense of worship away from how... And redirect it to the who. How. Now don't get me wrong. The Bible is filled with lots of great examples on how to worship. Lift up our hands in the sanctuary. Bless the Lord. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Clap your hands all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Right? All these things. There's thousands of ways that the Bible talks about the how. But if we mess up the who, it is simply white noise. Right. Right. It's actions without passion. In this story... We're going to start in verse 19 after he tells her all these things, and this is her response. She says, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Well, she gets it partly right. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, Mount Gerizim, by the way, but you Jews claim that the place where uh, we are to worship is in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father. Stop. We don't need to go any further. We will, but we don't have to. Because right now, this is the crux of it. Disciples of Jesus live to worship the Father. There's a, and the time has come when worshipers That follow me will actually worship him. He says, in spirit and in truth. For God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. My friends, the beautiful thing this morning that gets missed so often in our rush for theological correctness. The hows. The warm fuzzy feelings. The atmosphere that we're trying to create. Is that worship starts with who he is. Not who we are. Not where we are, who he is. I think the challenge in our modern world, in particular our modern Christianity, is that we have pigeonholed worship into what we do when we get together, what we do when we sing. We've kind of pigeonholed it into chords and prose. Yet as believers, and this is a tension that we hold as believers, we often try to worship God with regard to who he is to us. Not who he is, but who he is to us. Did you see? She tried to connect with Jesus in regard to who he was to her. He, he, she goes off and she says, Man, come meet a man who's told me everything about my life. Man, he's accepted me. I see you are a prophet. She connects to him As many times we do, out of his office rather than out of his essence. Out of his office. Do you realize Jesus carries offices? He is prophet, priest, and king. They, he, his, his, his reality comes out of the Old Testament model, how God, wanted to, uh, how God wanted to lead his people and bless his people. He used a prophet and a priest and a king because remember, we've been understanding through, the, uh, through our study of, um, uh, of uh, Passover and, and Pentecost and, and the feast that the Old Testament is a shadow, but the reality is found in Jesus. So if you want to look at it, Later on, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 3 actually talks all about this. He says, man, God used to speak through prophets. Now he speaks through Jesus. It's Jesus that actually uh, made a way to forgive our sins. He's the priest. And Jesus sat down on the throne. He's the king. Jesus is prophet, priest, and king. But I think the issue for us in our life when it comes to worship is very often we connect to Jesus primarily out of one of his offices and worship him because what he does for us through that office what he does for us through that office becomes our connecting point to him we, we, we connect to him as our prophet because, man, he's awesome. He's telling me how, how to get out of this situation. He's giving me wisdom. Oh, man, he's giving me vision. Man, God is awesome. He's prophetic over my life. He's telling me what I can do and how I can live, and this is awesome. God's for me and not against me. We connect to him out of his office of prophet. Or maybe we are so connected to grace because he is our priest and how he intercedes for us allows us to be forgiven. It allows us to go to heaven and we're so grateful and we connect to him just out of his priesthood office and that's where we worship him from. Or maybe we love his power. We love that he is the king of kings and lord of lords and that he gives us victory and healing and that he, he gives us, we can do miracles and see that we can overcome. And so we connect him. Man, I'm going to worship him because I can stomp on the devil in Jesus' name. Come on, we we can have victory in Jesus. We are more than conquerors. We can worship. We connect to him out of his office, but we miss his essence. None of that's wrong. He should be worshiped for all of those things. But when it comes to our connection point for worship, if that becomes our connection point for worship, the next question out of our mouth will be her question. How do I do this thing right. Because when our starting point is us and how we benefit from Him, we want to ensure the fact that that benefit continues from that connection point. So our focus on worship, although it should be on Him, slips to how do I do this correctly for me? How do I do it so I don't lose it? Because if I'm wrong, I'm going to lose the benefit of it because i got to do it right. If I do it right, then at least I'm, I should be entitled because if I do the things right that God's telling me to do, then God kind of owes me what I think God should owe me. But if I do it wrong, I'm in jeopardy of losing it. And worship in our soul, in our humanity, slips, from be, slips into being benefit-based rather than blessing-based. How can I benefit rather than how can I bless? Yet there's this beautiful moment in Daniel chapter 3 of what worship looks like. Many of you may be familiar with the story. It's a story of three Jewish boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they come before the king, and the king had made this giant statue of himself in gold. And he told them that they had to bow down and worship it or that they would be thrown in the fiery furnace. And I love the response because the response comes from a true heart of worship. They say, King, look, we get it. We want to let you know that our God can save us because I know who he is. He can save I I us. You, you don't know, but I know who he is. But even if he doesn't, it ain't going to change my mind on who he is. And I'm not going to bow down anyway. Their entire focus on that day was not from a place of benefiting them, but blessing him. I mean, think about it for a moment. The fire that they were going to be thrown into definitely was not a benefit. And yet somewhere around there, the blessing hymn became more important to them than the benefit to self. What a heart, what a picture of worship that's why psalm 145 verse 3 says that our god is worthy of our praise he's worthy of it just him alone he's worthy there's nothing else he has to do his essence is worthy his nature is worthy his goodness is worthy he's just worthy of our praise now the truth is my friends the truth is he shows up in the fire like, I love the end of that story because the Bible says three men were thrown in, but then there was a fourth man who appeared as if he was the Son of God, and it was the Son of God. And those three boys that went in bound into the fiery flame came out free of their bondage, free of the, bound, the binds that were on them. They didn't even smell like smoke because this is what I know, my friends. When, our, when, we, when we put blessing him in front of benefiting us, he inhabits that kind of praise. He inhabits that kind of praise. He shows up in the fire. I don't do it so that he shows up, but because of who he is, he shows up when we do it. Psalm 22 verse 3 says he, he is enthroned in the praise of his people. He inhabits the praise of his people. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm going to be honest as we do here. man. It, I, it's so easy to still struggle with this. I still struggle with this in real ways. I mean, I'm not talking theology, right? Theologically, of course, we all agree with it. I struggle with it in the daily practice of those realities. When I have to choose him over me. Over the last couple years, Danielle and I have had to make some decisions. Take some stands on things like injustice or racism. Lack of compassion. Hurt in our world. We had to choose to change some ways that we did church. In ways that we knew people wouldn't like. People wouldn't agree with. They wouldn't necessarily understand or they wouldn't see the changes as beneficial to the way they preferred life to be. And We knew that they would leave, we knew that they'd be offended, and that never goes well. And I would love to say, I just got to be honest, I would love to say, man, I don't care. It's easy, I just chose the fire, I chose the fire, I'm choosing the fire. I would love to say, it is easy to choose the fire, but it's not. Because with every one of those decisions, I had to wrestle inside of myself because of the loss that it would mean to me, to me. What choosing holiness would mean to me? The loss it would bring. Friends, family, faces, real people. Smaller church, less campuses. What would people think? What would people say? What would other pastors think? What would other pastors say? Lack of resource. All of that inside of me. It's easy to say, That we would step into the fire until the fire has a face on it. That's where Danielle helps me every time because she'll always bring it back to, but why do we worship? But why have we chosen to worship God? Is it to benefit us or is it to bless him? Is it to benefit us or is it to bless him? It's easy to say, my friends, that I would choose the fire until the fire has a face on it. The face of someone you love. The face of something you value. The face of a family member who walks away. A friend who leaves relationship after years and decades of relationship together. But this is where worship exists. It's not found in the easy thing it's found in the difficult that's why I love what David writes in Psalm 34 he said I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my lips. I love it. He's actually saying it prophetically over his own soul. He's speaking to his soul. He's saying, soul, I know there's going to be times when you don't want to, but man, no matter what time, all times, it doesn't matter what moment, all moments, I'm going to choose to worship him, to bless him, for him to be my focus. And that requires a renewing of our mind. It requires a a, a walking this out. I need other people. Come on. Here's the truth. We can't do this thing alone because I need other people. When I start to fear the faces, I need somebody next to me. I need someone in my forged group, someone in my my friendship group to come next to me and say, no, 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 come on. We're going to walk this thing out together. We're not going to fear the faces, Jeremiah. We're not going to fear the faces. We're not going to fear the loss. When I get tired, when I get weary, when there's cumulative grief and compounded weariness in my life, when I'm burned out, tired, and ready to sell out, I need somebody else around me that can say, I've got your back. I'm going to walk with you. Don't fear the faces, because he is worthy to be praised. Not for what you're going through, but for who is willing to go through it with you. His name's Jesus. The reality is, my friends, the woman at the well was asking the right, about the right place, about the right theology, but missing worshiping the right person. As believers, we can be in the right place, with the right theology, but missing worshiping the right person. We could be in church. We could be married to a Christian spouse. We can have our kiddos in kids' church with Pastor Kevin and Lisa in youth. We can be in, the, in a right forged group or shoulder-to-shoulder group. We can have our behavior headed in the right direction. Come on, we can be singing the best new worship songs and still at the end of the day missing worshiping the right person because this is where the trap lies for all of us. The trap that you are so near every moment in this life. Being at the right well and worshiping the wrong person. Being at the right well and worshiping the wrong thing. Being in the right garden without intimacy with the God of the garden. That's the trap. That's the trap of religion, it's the trap of modern Christianity, it's the trap of American Christianity. Just doing the right things, but missing worshiping the right person. Isn't that the initial trap that we fell into as humans? Go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve, right, were in the right place. They were in the right garden with God, but their focus was on the wrong person. Their focus became how could we benefit from where we were rather than how can we bless God from where we are? How can I become like God? How can I benefit? And I know it's so counter, I think, to us as Americans because we have this belief system inside of ourselves that if we do the right thing, then we should always benefit. There should always be a benefit from it. If we do the right thing, we should always benefit from it. Like if we work hard enough, we should get the promotion. If we, if, we, if we act right, we should have friends. If we vote right, our nation should be blessed. Well, we know that doesn't work. And in this moment, we have to recognize that our soul is pulled constantly towards this concept of, how will my actions benefit me? Benefit me. Benefit me. Benefit me. And that doesn't stop on the outside of our life. It affects the internal worship of our life. How can what I do benefit me when I worship God? And then when it doesn't benefit us the way that we think it should benefit us, we get a certain way with God. And like Adam, we create distance. But this is how beautiful Jesus is. This is how incredible the God that we're called to worship is. Jesus comes to your well. Jesus shows up in your dysfunctional garden to pull you back to worshiping the right who he doesn't go you know what you're at the i I led you to the well i made the well i made the water i made the dirt that the well is in i actually brought you to the well you didn't even know it i was moving in your heart to bring you to the well if you ain't going to worship the right person then good on you he says, I made the garden for you, made the well for you, put you in the garden, blessed you in the garden, gave you all sorts of things to actually encourage you in the garden. You screwed it up. And I'm still showing up to bring you back to the who. Who. My worshipers will worship the Father. Who. In spirit. Oh, no, no, Pastor. There's the how. No, it's not. Still the who. Who. Because he clarifies in the next verse, verse 24, God is spirit. The spirit is a who. In truth, John 14, 6 says, Jesus is the truth. Who? And even if she's asking about the mountain, the mountain is a who. Hebrews 12:22 says, We have come to the real Mount Zion. Who is Jesus? Who? Worship is about who, 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 who. Every moment that Jesus came to this woman was to help her understand worship was not about a where. Worship was not about a how. Worship is about a who. How powerful can our life be if we come about a who? By the way, I love this Greek word for truth here. This Greek word for truth actually means to not be hidden. To be incapable of escaping notice. It's about making him visible. Making sure there's nothing in our lives that is escaping being surrendered to his notice. What a definition of worship. How can, my, how can I make my life such an act of worship that he can be made visible? That my blessing of him cannot escape his notice. I didn't say other people's notice. Pastor's notice, friend's notice, boss' notice. How can I make my life so visible of an act of worship to Him that it's impossible to escape His notice? I think the challenge is we've been talking about the challenges between being a modern believer and a disciple of Jesus. But I think the challenge is, as believers, we tend to worship for the benefit that it carries. But as disciples, we worship for the blessing it bestows, for the blessing it bestows. This is why it's a sacrifice of praise, because it's not in our natural self to choose God, blessing God over preferring ourselves. It's not in us. That's why it's a sacrifice. That's why Hebrews thirteen five says uh, fifteen says we bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of God. We bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And we offer up to you sacrifices of thanksgiving. That's old school. Just one and a half way out. Offer up to you sacrifices of praise. All right. Oh, she said, go on. All right, great. It's a sacrifice. It's willingly choosing to live from a different place. And this is what we have to understand, I think, as we make this decision to live a life of worship, that worship is not easy. There's a weight to it. There's a weight to worshiping God. There's a weight to choosing holiness. There's a weight to choosing health in relationships. There's a weight to actually choosing to stand on, your, on His Word when it's opposite of your opinion. There's a weight to worship. Matter of fact, in 1 Chronicles fifteen fifteen, it says in the Old Testament, when they carried the Ark of the Covenant, When the priest would carry the Ark of the Covenant, which was the presence of God on earth, they would carry it on poles on their shoulders. Over hot sand, come on, over rocks, over rough terrain, in desert heat. That's how they were meant to carry it. And when they obeyed, there was a blessing. And obedience does bring a blessing, but that's not why we do it. We do it because it reveals to the one who spoke the word the deep value we have on blessing him. Even if we don't fully understand how our obedience blesses him. Even if we think we can do it an easier way. God, I figured out a better way than you on how to bless you. I just want to let you know I've got an easy... I, I figured it out. Now, I know that you're omniscient, that you spoke time and space into being, but I figured out... A better way to bless you. David, King David, says in 2 Samuel 24 24, when he wants to buy a field to build the temple on, he goes to the owner of the field, his name's Aruna, and he says, uh, Aruna, I'll pay you this much. And Aruna says, Absolutely not. You don't pay me anything. And David says, You don't understand. This is an act of worship for me, and I will never offering a sacrifice to my God that has cost me nothing. He understood that there's a cost, a wait to worshiping God. This is a man after God's own heart, and I think very often we find our t- ourselves in a place where we can take the easy road or the harder road. But Jesus said, wide is the road that leads to death, narrow is the road that leads to life, and few find it. There's this sad moment In 2 Samuel 6, just a few chapters earlier than that, where the Ark of the Covenant had been in Abinadab's house for 20 years. It wasn't in Jerusalem. It wasn't in the temple. It was in this dude's house. And it was blessing his house. It was blessing his household. And they decided it was time to move it to bring it into Jerusalem. Good idea. So they decided to put it on a new cart and let it be pulled by new oxen. Now, I got to be honest, that sounds logical and reasonable, right? Right? That that sounds like a whole lot easier than getting a bunch of dudes together, putting some poles in it, and walking the 30 miles. Logical. It's reasonable, but it's not the word. It wasn't the essence. They figured out an easier way to do it. Do you know what the sad thing is? Like, I love it. They didn't put it on an old cart. I love that the Bible says it was a new cart. Like, they weren't putting it on some old hoopty, right? They wasn't all messed up, jacked up cart. Like, like, they, like, they got a new, I got a new ride. I got some new, I got, we're trying to honor you. He's like, no, 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 no. Just because it's shiny doesn't mean you're honoring me. Just because it's new. It's the new thing. doesn't mean it's honoring to me. Come on. I've told you there's a word that I've spoken on how worship is meant to be carried because it is a shadow that you're going to find in Jesus. And Jesus didn't go up a hill on a cart. He put the poles on his shoulders and he carried freedom up a hill. The priest carries. Come on, somebody you know what happens? The ox stumbles. That new cart tilts. Uzzah, Abedad's son, reaches out to steady the ark and he dies. That seems like a messed up story. But this is what I know. This is the truth that we can gain from that. That no one else or nothing else can carry the weight of worship that is meant to be carried by our lives. No one else and nothing else. Can carry the weight of worship that is meant to be carried by our own lives. We can't put the weight of worship on a cart. We can't put it on the church. We can't put it on the worship team. We can't put it on our spouse. We can't put it if that person changes, if that situation gets better, if I just got a promotion. I mean, if I, if that person was just nicer to me, I'd forgive. You cannot put your worship on the cart of someone else you and i have been designed by god to carry it and here's what i know he made our shoulders big enough to carry the worship he designed for them Your shoulders are big enough. Sometimes I feel like, God, I can't stand up under this weight. And he reminds me, I made your shoulders big enough to carry the worship. No, God, I can't stand up. It's too much pressure. He said, no, 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 I've made your shoulders big enough to carry the weight of worship I designed for you. We can't have someone else carry it. 1 first, first Peter chapter 2 says we are a chosen generation. We are the royal priesthood. We are a, a, whole, a holy nation of people belonging to God for one purpose, to carry his praise. It's not to go to heaven. Heaven's the benefit of him being the priest. You know what our purpose is? Carry the worship. The truth is, my friends, when we choose to live a life that worship God, it reveals our affection, our affection to him. This is God's love language. We all have a love language, the way that we feel loved. Worship is one of God's love languages. How do I know? Because it's how He designed His house. It's how He designed His abode, His forever. One of the things that struck me, and I hope it strikes you. When you read Revelation, there's this amazing moment that convicts me of why I should worship God. In Revelation 4... The Bible says that the 24 elders that are around the throne, they cast down their crowns before God. They bow down before his throne, and they're like, holy, worthy God, you're awesome. Then you flip the page over in, Romans, uh, in Revelation chapter 5. The Bible says there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels that are singing at the top of their lungs. Worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. Worthy to receive glory and honor and power and praise. Why is that a big deal? Because none of them benefit from any of it. None of them benefit from the salvation of the lamb that they're praising. Because when the angels fell with Lucifer, they weren't offered forgiveness. They are not participants of the blood of the Lamb. They are not filled, none of them filled with the Spirit of God. None of them are participants of the grace that they are worshiping. None of them. Matter of fact, 1 Peter says the angels long to look into the things that we take for granted in our life that God did. They are not worshiping worshiping him from anything that benefits them but the only thing that they're worshiping him for is for him to bless him it's the atmosphere of his presence it's why we when we worship from that same place he recognizes the presence he recognizes the place he says, "Oh, that's heaven on earth. I can go and step in there. That's the redeemed garden. I can walk in there again. That's the well that's giving living water. I can actually come by it again." Yeah. It shows our affection. Come on, worship is the text to God that says, "Do you want to come hang out? I would love to hang out with you. I'd love to be with you." One of my favorite things that Danielle does my whole life. One of my favorite things she does. So she sends me a text that says, you want to come be buddies? You want to come be buddies? Or she'll just send me two lobsters. Because in Friends, they were lobsters, right? They send me, Do you want to come be buddies? I'm like, yes! I'm so excited about her wanting me to spend time with her. Like, like It's like, wow, you value me enough to want to spend time with me? That's what that text says to me. But that's what worship does to God. It says, come on, God. I know I'm in work, but come on. Will you come be my buddy? Come on, God. I know I'm at the gym, but come on. Will you come be my buddy? God, I know I'm dealing with this extra grace requiring person right now, but will you come be my buddy? God, I need you in this place. I just want to be with you. Speaks value. That's what that Greek word worship means. It means worship. It's giving worth to something. I love at the end of the story, and we're bringing it home. But I love at the end of the story in verse 28 she leaves Jesus. She goes back into her crowd, back to her village. And when she leaves him, she starts to worship. Do you know how she starts to worship? Every person she goes to, she's like, Come on, man, you gotta come meet Jesus. Man, you gotta come meet Jesus. You gotta come meet. This man told me everything about my life. You gotta come meet him. This man changed me. This man loved me. This man accepted me. You gotta come. You got I know who you thought I used to be, but I wanna let you know this man changed me. There's something new inside of me. I can't be silent. I'm gonna just her boldness was worship. Her testimony was worship. Come on, how she treated. Stay with me. Her compassion on those who were never anything but horrible to her in that village who talked about that woman who made her be the one who had to go alone at noontime in the heat of the day to go to a well because no one wanted to be seen with her. Those people, her compassion for people who, tro- who treated her horrible is an act of worship to God. It is not done in music. It is not done with a strum of a guitar or a banging of a drum. It is done with a life that chooses him. Worship is choosing to bless them. During singing, I want to bless them. During my work hours, I want to bless them. I love that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, he said, uh, whatever you do, whether word and deed, do it all to bless God. Do it all for his glory. Do you realize your work, you can work as worship? Your work is not worship, but you can work as worship. I, I, I've been, you've been hearing me say I've been into gardening lately, D and I've been gardening lately, and uh, man, I, I've chosen to make gardening worship, because you know when it's like 900 degrees, it's hot, it's dirty, you've got to pull weeds for the 838th time, and you know they're going to grow back tomorrow, right, but there's something like, I have to make it worship. So, man, I put my headset on. I start to sing. I, get, I start to talk to God. I start to see His majesty all over the garden. It's not a chore. It's an act of worship. Right. Do you realize? I, I learned something yesterday. There's a flower that only blooms one time a day. Or one time a year. Just one day a year. One day. Yeah. What? Do you know how much work I have to do to get it to bloom one day a year? And I was like, this is crazy. And then I thought about it. I'm like, how good is God that He cares about that day so much He will add beauty to it that's never seen on any other day? In our thought life, bless him. At the game, well, maybe not at the game. No, probably for a lot of us. At the game, bless them. How we speak to others, bless them. When we see injustice, don't choose your politics. Bless him. I'm going to say it again. When you see racism, when you see hatred, when you see injustice, bless him. Because there's faces to it. There's going to be faces that are going to walk away and there are going to be faces that are drawn. There's going to be people who leave your well and there's going to be people who you never even thought could come to your well that'll be drawn to the presence of the God that is standing at that well. You stand, you bless Him. At church, bless Him. With how you treat your spouse, bless Him. Living at the gym, bless Him. Living a life of worship is choosing to worship Him with a life of integrity, holiness and wholeness that makes him visible. Showing compassion is blessing him. Choosing his kingdom over our comfort is blessing him. Forgiving others when they've really hurt you. You know, the ones that, after you've forgiven them, three months later, you're thinking about them again and they're still pain. And then three more months after that, there's still pain. And three years after that, there's still pain. Every time, forgive him. Forgive him. Forgive him. Because that's the aroma of worship to God. We don't do it to be right, we do it to bless him right. It stirs his heart. You know, there's been many times that I've overheard Jake, my son talking to some of his friends, dealing with them on what they're going through with such passion, compassion and such wisdom beyond his years. And I got to admit it, when I hear him doing it, he doesn't even know, right? He doesn't even know. There's times he doesn't even know. And I'm overhearing it. My heart swells. Like, I get like the Grinch size. It's, it, it blossoms like seven times. I'm like, oh man, my son, he's showing compassion. Oh, my son. He's speaking wisdom. Oh, my son, he's choosing life over death. it stirs my, my daddy's heart. I wonder this week, how can we stir the Father's heart? How could we choose to be different? Not for our benefit, not to get God to do something for us, not for our miracle or to win God's favor, but just to bless him. I wonder what life would look like if we did. The truth is, my friends, after her encounter with Jesus at the well, it wasn't about him coming to her anymore. She was living to bring blessing to him, to reveal him, to make him visible. Come with me. I got to meet you. I got to, I got you. I, got, I, I want you to meet Jesus. Hey, attitude? Come with me. I need you to meet Jesus. Uh, uh, hey, broken relationship? Come with me. I need you to meet Jesus. Hey, offense? Come with me. I need you to meet Jesus. Hey, you horrible thing that was said about me? Come with me. I need you to meet Jesus. Hey, shame? Come with me. I need you to meet Jesus. Hey, guilt? Come with me. I need you to meet Jesus. Hey, broken person? Come with me. I need you to meet Jesus. It wasn't about Jesus coming to her. It was about her bringing, blessing to Jesus. And when that shifted in her mind, everything changed. The way she saw others changed. The way that she saw the world changed. The way she saw herself changed. Right. Because her focus came, became about blessing Jesus. Through six relationships, she tried to fix her world and it fell apart more and more. But when she met the seventh man, when she met the seventh man, When she met the seventh man, his name was Jesus, everything changed. How many things do we have to go through until we are willing to come to the seventh man? And everything changed. Today, I want to invite you to come to the seventh man not for what you get out of it not because there's benefit to it although there is because of how much God loves us but because he's worthy he's a great God he's shown up at your well time and time and time and time again and he doesn't say why are you here what have you done You don't deserve to be in my presence because of your past. He simply says, come, come, come to me, and I will give you rest. I am good and humble. I will take your yoke on myself, and I'll carry you. That's how good of a God. That's why he should be praised because of who he is come on let's pray my friends I don't know where you are with God right now I don't know how you've come into this moment and how you got to church today how you're listening to this podcast but I know it's not by accident and I love the fact that Jesus was not as concerned with how she came to the well that day as how she was going to leave And that's the same truth that he has for you and I right here, right now. And my friends, like that woman, we may have been going through all these things, all these relationships, all these trials, all these circumstances to try to fix our life and put it together and it just keeps falling apart more and more. There's a seventh man who showed up. His name's Jesus. And he's filled with love and compassion and grace for your life. The Bible simply says today that if we surrender to him as an act of worship, our first act of worship, just surrendering our life to him, not just to be saved and go to heaven, but as Lord and Savior saying, God, I can't do it all. I can't do it alone. I know I've been designed to worship you, and I'm just doing it from the wrong place and doing it in the wrong way. And today I've chosen to worship you by giving you my life. We're going to pray in just a moment. But that's what this moment is for. It's not about whether or not we go to church or whether or not we're trying to be nice. It's have we ever taken the moment to say, God, Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, I want you to know that I'm putting my life on your altar. Taking my hands off of it. Because I know you are a trustworthy God. You are faithful. We sang it this morning. You are faithful. The Bible says, if I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that he died for me and rose again, that today salvation will enter my heart. Today, the God of the garden will actually renew the garden of my heart and make it his throne. Today is your day. So whether this is your first time praying this prayer or whether you've actually kind of prayed it before but found yourself today far from Him, can I encourage you? Take the step home again. Today's your day to say, God, I'm all in, 100%. And that's what we're going to pray. That's what we're going to proclaim right here. Just say with me, dear Lord Jesus, here I am today. I am choosing to give you all of my life, to worship you, With everything I've got. I'm holding nothing back. I'm asking you, Jesus, to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. Forgive me of all my sin. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me your child. And I choose today to live to bless you. Now and forevermore in jesus name amen and amen come on can we give god some praise for men and women deciding to choose jesus today in their lives hallelujah lord we love you thank you lord god hey church the bible simply says that right now there are angels in heaven that are partying because of the decision you made we want to actually help you walk this out because this isn't the end of the road it's just the beginning And so right over here, this is Pastor Rick and Pastor Kathy right over there. Look, we have a couple free books we'd love to give you just that will help you understand decisions that you've made or even to encourage you to to make decisions. They're easy. Look, this life in Christ, salvation is easy. Walking it out, come on somebody, is hard. We need each other. So I really encourage you, just take a moment before you leave. Go talk to Pastor Rick. Let him give you the book. Let him pray over you really quick. Get plugged into what God has for you. Worship is not about what benefits us; worship is what blesses Him. We're gonna one last thing we're gonna do before we go is we're gonna worship with the giving of our offerings today, and I'm gonna just ask Sharon, our, our CFO, to come on up. and Sharon, can you guys give Sharon a hand as she's coming? She's gonna encourage us in our giving today.
5: Good afternoon. (laughs) 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 Good afternoon. Um, I'm here to encourage us in our giving this morning. And uh, we can do that by filling out the envelopes that are placed throughout the room and dropping them in the kiosks on the way out. Uh, There is a QVR code that if you take a picture of it, it'll take you right to the page you need. And you can also give online as well. But whatever way you choose, we thank you in advance uh, for giving. So a couple months ago, in my shoulder-to-shoulder group, and for anyone who doesn't know what that is, shoulder-to-shoulder is our women's discipleship groups that are held throughout the week, and men is called Forged. But a couple of months ago in shoulder-to-shoulder, we were talking about seeking first the kingdom and putting God first. And one of a wonderfully inquisitive woman in the group said, how do I know if I'm putting God first? What could that look like? So we discussed it. And you can probably guess where I'm going with this. But putting God first in our finances is absolutely a part of what that looks like. So in light, in the spirit of, shoulder, our, of, our, the spirit of our discipleship groups in which we are big on reflection questions, I have some reflection questions for us in this regard. <laughs> and some of you might hate me after this. So are you giving God the first fruits of your earnings? Or are you giving whatever, spare, whatever scraps are left over from the week? To what extent do your giving habits reflect a tithe, that 10%? And in light of Pastor Kyle's point today, do you feel the weight of blessing God in this manner? Or do you give an amount that just makes sense to you and is weightless and comfortable? And finally, when you give, are you giving with an internal eye roll, or are you giving out of love and joy and love for your God? Um, so put them first in everything, including your 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 finances. I encourage you in that. Um, so I'm going to pray. All right, Lord, we thank you for the freedom to be here together and meet, and we it gives us joy to. Give to you in this manner, Lord. We give to you with no strings attached. Only we give to you because you're you. No strings attached. And we just praise you always. Bless the gift and the giver. Amen.
6: Turn. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. you have to laugh after you realize, like, I have to go home and do some work. (laughs) Right? It's like, okay, that reflection question list, it's going to be a lot longer for me today. Why don't you stand with me, church? I'm so happy that God doesn't waste our time when we come together. Like, he has so much to say to us. He has so much to share and convey deep to deep. The word talks about how he talks to us deep unto deep. And he does that even in these kinds of spaces. And I'm thankful that we don't get a shallow word from him because life is very deep. So I'm thankful for depth of understanding that matches depth of life. God, I thank you that your word is even larger than the large lives that we lead. I thank you that there is no part of us that needs to be dissected, that can't be covered within within what we learn from your word. Father, I pray that you would continue to give us a hunger and a thirst to go internally with you and to worship in our yielding, that you would help us to yield, God, and see it as an act of worship. Every time, Father, that we have a pushback, help us, God, to see our submission to you as a yielding and as worship, God. There's so much that you can do, inside of us when we just listen so father I thank you for this house I thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ who helps surround me with a community that holds your heartbeat and reflects your heartbeat well to me and I pray father that the strength that is needed in the days to come would come from your word for us would come from our worship of you, and would come from this community, God, as we reflect you as well as we possibly can to one another in your name. Amen. 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 Have a beautiful week, church.